today on the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. Kid is, does not have a full functioning liver until they're about 18 to 21, which is our drinking age, which is the reason why we have that drinking age. Their kidneys are not fully functioning for a few years. So you have a high window of all this bioaccumulation, all these bioaccumulated toxins, and that child and that person cannot get rid of them. So we store it. So now the toxic burden will build up over time. And it's like, what's happened to our society where these toxic burdens, they're building up so much and we're more toxic than we've ever been. Hello, hello. I'm your host, Dr. Carrie Jones. And today I'm talking with longtime integrative dietitian Greer McGinnis, who is also a clinical lab educator at Vibrant Wellness, all about toxins and the toxin exposures in our lives that greatly affect our health. It was an extremely eye-opening discussion given her experience in pediatrics all the way to adulthood and how these different types of chemicals can negatively affect so much of our body. How do we test for it? How do we avoid it? What do we do? Listen along as she covers all these questions and more. Before we get started though, I wanna talk to you about something that comes up pretty often on this podcast. And that of course, is lab testing. You see, testing is one essential way to understand the root cause of an illness. If you are an integrative or functional medicine practitioner, chances are you're placing a ton of orders with a ton of different labs. The Root Cause Medicine podcast is created by Rupa Health. Rupa is the best way to order, manage, and track results from over 30 different labs in one single place for free. Thank goodness. No need to create and log into multiple portals ever again. If you are a practitioner, make sure you go sign up at rupahealth.com and create a free account today. Now, let's start the show. Greer, welcome to the Root Cause Medicine Podcast. I am so excited to have you on today to give us the 101 on toxins because, man, is that a hot topic. Yeah, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Well, I could think of a better person to have on, especially because you work for a lab called Vibrant. And a lot of my colleagues and your colleagues, our friends, use the toxin testing. And we're going to kind of go through today in the podcast, the high level down to the nitty gritty around toxins, because eventually a common question is, can I test for them? Can I get rid of them? Is everything toxic? Am I doomed? So we're just going to go through all those things. How does that sound? Perfect. Amazing. Before we get started, though, for those people who don't know you, give us a little snapshot into who you are and how you got into this and what you stand for. Sure. So my name is Greer McGinnis. I'm a registered dietitian by trade. I have a master's in health science. I'm a certified detox specialist and master herbalist. I work primarily for Vibrant full-time as a clinical lab educator, which I absolutely love. I also have a private practice where I work in pediatrics with my specialty in kids with autism and ADHD is my focus. I don't think I realized that. That's amazing. Yeah. And so needed. I got into it because of my son. Yeah. So my son regressed into autism around about 19 months and I was trained in conventional medicine, science major, and went through all the therapies, everything. And then... A friend of mine had kind of was a lot more crunchier, I want to say. Like, I was not crunchy by any means. <laughs> I was 
oblivious to toxins. I was oblivious to the world. I was all about Western medicine. If you had an issue, take this pill. So I had a friend who was a lot crunchier than me, and she just kind of laid down some breadcrumbs in a very gentle, nice way, just kind of follow the yellow brick road kind of thing. And it changed my life. It changed my whole like outlook on medicine and functional medicine. And it changed my son's life. My son was diagnosed with level two autism. He was nonverbal at the age of four and a half still when I started really kind of looking for practitioners to help me because this world was so new to me. I I had no idea what I, I was like, I could figure this out on my own. I'm a very smart girl, but I needed someone. I needed a little bit of help. And I found an amazing practitioner in my area that ran some blood work and some testing because my son's test kept coming back normal. And I'm like, he eats only 10 things. Like something's not right. It wasn't sitting well in that mom gut of mine. So he really helped me go through all of the testing. And within eight weeks, my son started talking and writing full sentences and like, well, writing his ABCs, speaking. It was like, my husband and I were like, wow, what happened? (laughs) Wow. So I said to my husband, I said, I understand that I would like to go back to school. And I know that this is not going to be fun, but I wanted to get my master's and really dive deep into epidemiology and research. And that, because I wanted to understand more, I felt Like there was so much more out there that was not being told to us. I saw every specialist, neurologist, pediatric, developmental pediatrician. They could not ever answer any of my questions. I just kind of felt like deflated a lot of the times. And I said, I need to find out what's going on inside my son's body and his brain. And you want to talk about going down the biggest rabbit hole? (laughs) So I spent four years going for my master's. I also had another child during that time too. So I was so determined that I even published a paper out of my master's on research of sulforaphane and autism spectrum disorder, because that's how much I was so invested into everything. I was like, I'm getting my paper published. And my my professor was like cheering me on the whole time. So yeah, if it wasn't for my son and me watching his regression and then his flourishing, I don't think I would be where I'm at today. And I, and you know, it's kind of that silver lining. It was blessing in disguise kind of thing. That was a traumatic period, but also a really, really important period for us. This is so good to know for those listening. I had no idea this background of Greer's. And so today's focus is going to be on toxins. And the majority of you listening are again, like female ages, like 29 to 59, but I would bet also even though this is predominantly an adult-focused podcast, a lot of you probably have kids or your friend's kids or your sister's kids or your brother's kids that can relate or you're nodding your head going, oh yeah, I know this story, somehow this type of story. And so I'm really glad to talk to you because obviously autism spans a lot in one piece of the puzzle, one piece of the pie is toxins, which is our focus today. But obviously, it sounds like I'm going to have you back on because I know we're going to get a lot of questions of like, wait, wait, Carrie, ask her all the other questions. And I also want to say that sulforaphane, if people have followed me at all, sulforaphane is my personal, if I had to pick a favorite product in the whole world, sulforaphane is my personal favorite product. I use it for when I talk about estrogen 
female or male health too, at detoxification. And on this podcast, I've had sulforaphane researcher on Dr. Christine Houghton because that's how much I love sulforaphane. So I love that you got that paper published and we will link it in the show notes for those moms who are listening and are interested in reading it. So thank you for that. No problem. That's wow. All right, let's kick off with toxins because I think toxins is very confusing and very overwhelming for a lot of people. I mean, you use the word chemical and there's all sorts of pushback, like, well, water's a chemical. <laughs> like, what do you mean chemical? What do you mean toxins? Any, like, Even too much water can be toxic. What are you talking about? I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good point. When you and I mentioned toxins, you and I are pretty specific, usually in our head of what we mean when we're talking about toxins. And I'm sure you notice this all the time, but there you even just walking into Target or Walmart, everything is scented and everything is coated and everything is covered that's available, whether it's detergents or candles or clothes or makeup or skincare, even just our day-to-day life, not even counting herbicides, pesticides, things out in the air or in our water system. So let's start with the 101. When you were talking about toxins with your client, what do you mean? So it is a broad term. You're 100% right. I mean, you wake up every day and you are exposed to over 700,000 toxins per day, but roughly about 80,000 chemicals per day. And these are things that are man-made mostly. Most of the time, it's going to be the things that are man-made. And that's everything from plastics to parabens to heavy metals in your beauty products that people don't aren't aware of. So most of the chemicals and the toxins that we're talking about are just things that are man-made and our agricultural and industry has exploded over the past two decades where it is just becoming more and more toxic every day of these type of process or man-made chemicals that or things that were added. If you're thinking about things like parabens, we all kind of have heard parabens are not great, but they served a purpose of protecting your product from expiring or going bad. So it was a chemical that they said, oh, hey, look, this is great. This product now has a longer shelf life not realizing that long-term use of parabens could be endocrine disruptors, cancer risk, things like that. So we didn't kind of foresee the amount of chemicals and how much has built up over time and how much a person, I mean, you know, women, we use about eight to 10 products per day. I mean, on, on an average and a male uses about three. So you have this very strong connection of these man-made products and chemicals that were not really intended to be an issue. It wasn't supposed to be anything that we had thought was going to be a potential risk, but it actually turned out to be. It just, we keep every year, we develop 2000 new chemicals that just get added every single year to something. So every time you see a new product, think about the fact that whatever they've created, this new product could have been a new chemical in that product to do whatever it was needed to do. And they don't have to, there's no real governing body to look at these toxins and say, are these really safe? Are these toxic? It's basically, you have to just kind of prove that it's somewhat safe and it's okay to then go to market. So there's really no regulations that we have with chemicals. So it's a little scary. It's really scary. And especially I hear the pushback I see the pushback too on social media, especially of, well, 
it's only a little bit. For example, there's only a little bit in my lipstick. There's only a little bit in my deodorant. Like it's below the limit that'll kill you. And I'm like, but you use it every day. The dose makes the poison. Right, there you go. (laughs) The dose makes the poison, which is to me, nails on a chalkboard. (laughs) I mean, I said, we come in contact with 700,000 chemicals per day. So if you think the dose makes the poison, fine, no problem. I understand that. But when are you exposed to one toxin? You're not. You're exposed to thousands of toxins per day every day. So if you look at, there was a research study that I found that was talking about cadmium. Now, cadmium is a heavy metal that's found in things like cigarette smoke and pesticides. And it was talking about the fact that their research and the accumulation of cadmium in a human is likely due and starts within the first few years of life, not later on, beginning of life. So if I'm not sure about you, but I grew up in the product of Bed Bath & Body Works, (laughs) vanilla spray, (laughs) wet wild makeup and stuff. Like the cheapest of chemicals that you can think of, we used it every day. So if you're using something for a long period of time and when the human body is not fully developed and most of kids are not fully developed, Kid is does not have a full functioning liver until they're about 18 to 21, which is our drinking age, which is the reason why we have that drinking age. Their kidneys are not fully functioning for a few years. So you have a high window of all this bioaccumulation, all these bioaccumulated toxins, and that child and that person cannot get rid of them. So we store it. So now the toxic burden will build up over time. And this is why you're seeing at such a young age, more and more kids with asthma, eczema, other types of skin issues, poor focus, poor attention, ADHD. I mean, I've had more kids get diagnosed with ADHD at the age of four and be put on medication than ever before. I mean, it's just, and and it's like, what's happened to our society where these toxic burdens are building up so much and we're more toxic than we've ever been. So right off the bat, our our generation right now is more toxic than ever. Our kids that we have now actually will have a shorter life expectancy than we do. So it's, we're getting in contact with all these toxins. And when people say the dose makes the poison, I just cringe because one, it's those chemicals are only tested in adults. They're not tested in children. So an average adult that they test a chemical on to see, it's they're only testing that one chemical, not combined with other chemicals, not if not what happens if this child was two and came in contact with that chemical. That's not happening. So we have this skewed science. And when I was in my master's and I was learning about epidemiology and writing research, and I just realized how skewed research can 100% be to favor what they need. And it's not always going to be unbiased research. Yeah, that's the truth. That's the truth. And you've mentioned some of the things, especially in kids that can happen, but expand on that for adults. If somebody, like you mentioned, you know, like endocrine disruptor, like explain what that means. So somebody listening who maybe is seeking answers for whatever symptomatology they have never thought to consider these chemicals as part of it. So what do you come across in the adult world, especially working with Vibrant? What do you hear? Anything from weight gain, autoimmune issues, reproductive issues, infertility, fatigue, chronic fatigue. I mean, it's 
the list is endless. It's like any symptom. And it's honestly kind of scary. If you look at symptomology for toxins, whether you're looking at heavy metals, mold, environmental toxins, they all overlap. They can all cause autoimmune issues, infertility. They all impact the reproductive issues, especially heavy metals. You get women with chronic menstrual cycles or really irregular menstrual cycles, can't infertility, they cannot get pregnant, any type of autoimmune Hashimoto's, any, anything along those lines. So you get gut issues, liver issues. I mean, it, these toxins attack every organ. So, I mean, I've seen eye floaters, ringing in the ear, you name it, you could have a talk. It's kind of one of those things that I think the reason why people then come to functional medicine when they have these symptoms is because they go to their doctor, they say, I have this symptoms, I have these rashes, I have horrible gut pain, I don't know what's going on. They don't think about toxins. They just say, okay, we'll go for an endoscopy or a colonoscopy or take this pill or rub this lotion on and that's it. I mean, so we dive deeper to see what could be the underlining issue. I mean, a lot of it is going to be any type of hormonal imbalance and dysregulation of the human body. And sometimes as we get older, we don't realize our symptoms are symptoms like, oh, I'm getting older, I'm not sleeping as much, but I go to the bathroom quite often. And it's like, well, no, those are not normal. You just kind of assume that as you get older, your body's supposed to malfunction this way. And that's not entirely true. Right. And even worst case scenario things and like cancer, right? There's so much research now on some of these exposures and cancer or neurodegenerative, which is dementia, Alzheimer's. It's one of the pillars for the development of neurodegenerative disease or toxins, whether it's mold, heavy metals, or these environmental toxins. In the world I live in, which is hormones, female hormones, I wholeheartedly agree with you. I mean, I see it all the time. Endometriosis, terrible cramps, also horrible PMS is a contributing factor. I'm not saying these are the all factor, but they are definitely a big, big factor. And the, you know, a lot of these chemicals that Greer is mentioning can act like hormones, which is why she said endocrine disruptor earlier. And I love that you said that because how many of your, of the moms you've seen or talked to and they're like, well, I went and got my hormones tested and my actual literal number, my estrogen level, my estradiol level is in the range. But wow, I have all of the symptoms not realizing, they don't realize, we don't get taught, right? In like school, high school, college, that a lot of these chemicals act like estrogen, So you can absolutely have really bad symptoms because these chemicals are just wreaking estrogenic-like havoc in the body. Yeah, the body is always trying to keep a homeostasis, a balance. So that's why sometimes when you go and you're trying to get your hormones checked, they look pretty good on paper. Your doctor's probably like, oh, yeah, no, you know, it looks good. But internally, your body is desperately trying to keep those levels. But other things could be definitely kind of wobbling back and forth. And when you look at things like, kids in pediatrics and endocrine disruptors, which mimic and act like hormones. That's why you have kids who are going into tanner stage, like early puberty so much earlier. I mean, you're getting eight and nine-year-olds now. Remember that whole big, oh, it's the antibiotics in the milk and the chicken? Oh, yeah, I remember. (laughs) There's a lot more to that than just antibiotics and milk and things like that. But so just because your levels might be somewhat normal, they might be 
in the green, I want to say. And that's a lot of the times we, and I'm sure you see that too, we get the labs back. It's like they're having all these hormonal types of changes and symptoms, but their hormone levels are still in the green, but they could be really on the higher end or really on the lower end. And that's the body really stressing, trying to as much as it can keep it within a good level. So it's something that does need to be looked into a little bit more and looked at because I'm telling you, those things that we don't think about, I mean, plastics, mycoplastics, those are all endocrine disruptors, those parabens. And like we said, as women, we use so much of those products that contain all of them. I mean, everything comes in plastic nowadays. I mean, you can't get anything that's not in a plastic container. So (laughs) we actually ingest and inhale pounds of that per year. And that's right into our system. So if our system's not working correctly and we're just bioaccumulating, it'll throw off the whole system. How do we get rid of it? I see this on another thing on social media, especially in the conventional world, and you starting out in the conventional world probably were told this as well. It's like, well, you don't need to worry about it because you have a liver and your liver is doing just fine. Yet you feel like absolute crap. (laughs) So I'm like, is it? Is your liver doing its job? And as you know, as you, we, I, you're going to about to teach us, it's not just the liver. <laughs> Let's debunk that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny because I mean that's my other like big pet peeve. I'm a certified detox specialist. There was something about detoxing that really caught my eye. And when someone I looked at someone else, they're like, "Oh, I'm a detox specialist." I'm like, "Ooh, what is that?" Because I need to learn about that. I just found it super fascinating. So I do everything like detox specialist is my thing. I love everything about detoxing and you're hundred percent right. Being Western medicine trained, we have a liver and we have a gallbladder, you know, and kidneys, you don't need to detox your body detoxes for you. And in theory, a hundred percent, you're right. That's a hundred percent what it does. That's what it's meant to do. However, we have a society that a lot of the times we don't eat the way we're supposed to. The toxic load is so much more than what it's ever been. And when you have a liver that does over 500 different processes, okay, the liver is one of pretty much to me and in Chinese medicine, it is the terrain. It is like the eye of the body. It's like a very big piece because it does so many things and we completely underestimate it. We go out drinking, we eat tons of sugar a lot of the times, our gut's a mess, or we don't take supplements like we're supposed to. And the liver has a breaking point too. So we have this phase one and phase two detoxification system for the liver. So phase one, those toxins come in, we create them into water soluble so they're not as toxic. And then we bind them and with other types of conjugation pathways and we push them out, pee, poop, sweat. That's how we get rid of toxins. What I find, and especially in kids, we have enough nutrients to get to phase one never enough to get to phase two. Phase two needs way more nutrients to use in phase two. So what happens is we get stuck and then that's where that bioaccumulation occurs. So while yes, our liver is always going to do its job, it's just not going to do its job effectively or up to par for what we need it to do, especially if we're coming in contact with all those toxins. We just, the liver can only handle so much. Think about a funnel and you're literally pouring a huge one gallon bucket onto a small funnel and you're trying to get all those toxins out and you you can't. It's just, you're going to have that overflow and it's going to creep back up into the body. So 
A hundred percent. Our liver, we do detox some stuff a lot of the times. And a lot of times our bodies, we just have too much toxins. We can't get them all out at the same time. Give me some examples for those listening. Like what are the phase two nutrients and why don't we have enough of them? Are we using them too fast in that funnel analogy or is it diet, digestion? What's going on there? So you need pretty much almost all your B vitamins, B12, folate. You need vitamin C. You need amino acids taurine, you need molybdenum. <laughs> you need a lot. You need a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you need a lot of those. All the conjugations, you need sulfur, and that's where the sulforaphane comes into play, which is super, super helpful. Glutathione, things like that. And so typically I created something called the rebalance method when I work with kids because what I found with looking at hundreds of stool testings and stuff many kids and adults, we don't have good bile flow and pancreatic lactase flow. These are our digestive enzymes. These help us break down our fats, protein, carbohydrates, and allows our body to break down our food, absorb our nutrients properly to use so that we could actually regenerate and do other things like the liver. The liver needs all those nutrients in order to detoxify. So step one is typically our livers are not producing bile. We're not producing that pancreatic lactase to digest our food. So that puts us at backwards motion of creating nutrient deficiencies. I mean, what is it? Over half of the United States is still vitamin D deficient. And we've been talking about vitamin D for decades of the importance. And actually vitamin D is needed for the liver and the pancreas to actually create their enzymes. So if you are deficient in vitamin D, you're not going to create bile and pancreatic lactase to digest your food. So specifically speaking, my first step is always rebalancing the gut. That's always going to be making sure we have that good bile flow. We're digesting our food. We're absorbing the nutrients the way that we need to so we don't have nutrient deficiency. And then typically I will supplement people with minerals and vitamins if they're deficient. We'll do a micronutrient test on them to identify what they're actually missing then the second point would be to support that liver. We, as a society, look at things now so differently. And key point is like things like dandelions. We used to consume (laughs) them. That was like a good, nutritious food. And the other, (laughs) over the summer, my neighbor's outside with Roundup spraying all the dandelions in his front yard. And I'm like, oh man, (laughs) so... Those are, we don't eat things that stimulate and clear out our liver to support it. We will take probiotics all day long to help our gut and we take nothing to support our liver, which does way more work, in my opinion, a lot of the times for detoxification. So I definitely will usually do some type of liver support to help that flow as well. So it's a lot of the times the just that lack of nutrient deficiencies and the burden on the liver that are the two main key pieces of why we just don't detox well. So we talk liver and gut, but what about other areas? Like the lymphatic system doesn't, we give it a lot of love. I've had lymphatic experts on before. Dr. Perry has been on sweating. Just people don't realize the importance of that, even breathing our breath, releasing does release stuff as well. Can you touch on that? Because they're like the forgotten systems sometimes. Yeah. I mean, when, if you're thinking about movement of toxins in the human body, there's, you're looking at people just think of like liver and veins and or veins and your arteries and stuff. But we have this lymphatic system that actually helps mobilize and move other types of things, including toxins. So we, again, 
a lot of us are not very active people. We get up, we go to work and stuff, but exercising and movement, that's why they always are talking about movement. You got to move, you got to exercise and you got to keep up with your body and how your body's functioning. And it's really important. And I think a lot of the times we miss those pieces. So for me, I'm always trying to get people to move more. And with kids, I know it's weird, but a lot of the times I have them buy like trampolines. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> right over there. Yeah, the mini tramps. Yeah. Yeah. And for kids, they're great too, because it really does move your lymphatic system. I was watching somebody talk about the lymphatic system. They were talking about like their armpits, where if your armpits are not concaved in, more in, and it's more pushed out, you could automatically know that your lymphatic system needs some TLC because building up and everyone should have more of like concaved armpits, which does make sense if you think about it, because if it's puffy or you feel kind of like you're always got like swollen lymph nodes in your neck and stuff, your body's desperately trying to drain and that's what it wants to do. So another one of my favorite things is dry brushing or Epsom salt baths, which are super important to help push those toxins out of our system. Like if you think about adults and like tattoos and stuff like that, they've found ink, like heavy metals that are coming from the ink stuck in the lymphatic system, because that's when it's going into your skin, it's essentially going, you know, it's got to filter out somewhere. And a lot of times it does get stuck in the lymphatic system. So that can then lead up to that lymphatic buildup. So definitely getting the body moving lymphatic massages. Ladies, if you've got a big population of women, tell your husbands you're going for a lymphatic massage. (laughs) And it's really, really helpful just to get things moving and flowing and kind of like open up those drainage pathways. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I have been out of the habit for a while, but I started at night when I read, putting my feet up against the wall, like laying on my back, putting my feet up. So doing a belly massage because we have a the majority of our lymphatic system is in our abdominal area and then having my feet up just to help with that flow and just lymph movement. And it's honestly, I feel like the last several days I sleep better. I just feel better. I guess less puffy. It's like sometimes you wake up kind of puffy even no matter how hard you try. And that's, it's just been really helpful. And I actually posted on social media and I had quite a few people write me and say, oh my gosh, I do that too for five or 10 minutes at the end of the night. And I've been noticing a difference and I didn't realize what it was from. I just heard it was a good thing. And so there with in the going back to the trampoline too, I absolutely have a little trampoline. I've had one probably 15 years. I'm on my second one. My first one I just gave to my best friend, bought a new one. And I love it. I mean 15 years ago I learned about it in lymphatics and have never looked back. I probably do it five, six days a week for it's fun. Yeah. It's really a lot of fun. Like that's why I tell parents. It's super easy. Yeah, I tell parents if they, especially if they don't have a large area or they don't have the funds to do certain things, get a trampoline for your kids because it's movement. They're bouncing up and down. That's helping to get. And I know it sounds weird, but literally it's kind of creating that blood flow and picking it up. You remember the lymphatic systems from head to toe. So we're trying to get mobilization and movement. So the more you can move your body and get it like jumping pogo sticks, like same. <laughs> yes. Like, just getting that body moving helps with that lymphatic. And the lymphatic doesn't have a pump system. There are arteries, the heart pumps, whereas the lymphatics relies on our movement contraction of muscle, which is why 
Greer is saying, all that jumping, you literally get the down up becomes the quote pump that the lymphatics doesn't have. So yeah, I'm definitely a big fan as well. Well, you know, the next question is going to be, it seems overwhelming if we're coming into these thousands and thousands of toxins, where do I start? Like, is, am I doomed? I know I can't avoid them all. Like, what are the big things you tell your patients? Here's where you start. Here's what you eliminate. Here are the labels you read, especially in their home or in their yard. What do you tell people? It's very overwhelming. Yeah. When you're working with somebody who has never really given toxins a look, when you start realizing how many toxins are on, you're like, oh man, it's a lot. So if you can test, that's always going to be the first one because we want to avoid avoidance, avoidance, avoidance. That's always like part one. Part two, I have like my, what I call my four pillars. So pillar one is water. I look at what we need every day for survival. Push away. Okay, we could, we'll talk about your cosmetics and we'll talk about that. But what do we need every day for survival mode that if you don't get it, you're going to die? One is water. (laughs) So water filtration systems. Our water in the United States, as much as we love to think that we are so progressive in our being better, our chem, our water is junk. I mean, we it's like over 19 million people are drinking radioactive water and contaminated bacteria, viruses, heavy metals, birth control. I mean, everything is flowing in those waters, and not to mention your pipes. So if you have a better water supply, which is great, the pipes that are flowing into your house may be old, may be contaminated with lead, So water filtration systems, getting a very good water filtration system, either on your whole house or individually, whether it be one under the sink, one for the bathtub, making sure you're drinking clean water is always going to be step one for me. So that's my first pillar. My second pillar is food. We need food to survive. So how do we start incorporating better quality food? I mean, if you look at it, it's only like less than 10% of Americans or less than 5% actually eat organic. You know, it's very small percentage, which is why we don't see more organic farms and stuff. So just because something is organic doesn't mean it's pesticide free too, which is really unfortunate. So I usually encourage people, I have like a list of local farms that you can look up and Google and you can find your local farmers markets and stuff and talk to farmers and make a report to buy straight locally from them. You can grow your own stuff, but they've done studies where just eating organic for one week had decreased someone's pesticide exposure by nearly 50%, which was huge, especially if you're consuming it on a regular things that we eat every day. So we're going to accumulate it. Even though they have a short half-life pesticides, we eat it every day. So it's hard to avoid it. So I definitely say work on your food. Try to leave as much box stuffed away. Try to really eat those whole foods as much as you can. Wash your fruits and vegetables in baking soda baths or vinegar baths to really clean off more of that pesticide exposure. We definitely work on products. So we have clean food, clean water, clean products. So basically what you want to look at is you could download apps. And I just start with like three products a week. And I, because it's overwhelming when you're like, oh man, I got toothbrushes, toothpaste. It's a lot of products that are out there. And I just say, start with like one or two things that you can look up and find 
safer alternatives. There are tons of apps that you can look up and they'll grade your products. So you could try to start making those swaps and just making those swaps like two or three a week. I actually created a guide for my patients. It, I actually just launched it this week. And so if anyone... <laughs> You can not to do a plug, but please. Yeah, this is helpful. <laughs> if you go to my page, Biomedical Healing for Kids, I have a toxin free living guide. It's nearly 90 pages and it has, I've gone through every room and done checklists. So if you're looking for better alternative swaps, that's available for you. And then clean air. We talked about mold and our house dust. Nobody realizes that the dust in your home has everything from plastics to heavy metals to mold. So we open up our windows to get that fresh air in, then we close the windows and we all go to bed and that's gas fumes, pesticides and stuff that's now lingering in your home. And we spend, especially since COVID, so much more time at home. So I get, I always say get a really good air filtration system, especially by your bed to clear out all the toxins that you're, so you're breathing cleaner air at night, which definitely helps people with asthma and mold and any type of like sinus allergies and things like that. So that's, it's usually my four, what I call my four pillars to start the detox process. And it's a nice way to kind of just start getting into, and that's even before you go down the road of detoxing with supplements, this is just like getting your whole environment a, a better and cleaner and you will automatically start feeling a big difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you and I have been doing this for a long time. So one of the things I do want to point out to everyone listening is that Greer and I've got years, if not decades into this, and you can't compare that if you're listening to this and you're in chapter one and we're in chapter 10. And I know it can feel overwhelming and, and somebody's like, oh my gosh. So classic example, a couple of years ago, I'd bought a new non-toxic mattress and I had a number of people reach out and say, oh my gosh, it's not in my budget. I can't afford that right now. And I was like, oh, don't start with the mattress. I'm just at the mattress. Yeah, <laughs> I've worked through a, the rest of the house over the many, many, many years. I'm just at the mattress level. You are still at get rid of your candles. Like right. when you run out of your toothpaste, <laughs> switch out your toothpaste. And that's a hundred percent. Okay. Like you're going to be in the mattress level, but it doesn't happen overnight. And we're totally aware of budget. So speaking of which I do want to ask, what is your favorite and feel free to say it, the water filter and then air filter or options. Do you have favorites or do you point people or does anything better than nothing? That Yeah. So it's hard because <laughs> like, I love a lot of different ones. So like for air filtration systems, I love the Air Doctor. I love IntelliPure, Blue Air. Those are like some of my favorites because they're pretty affordable and they do an amazing job. When it comes to water filtration system, this one's always tricky because like I live in a home that I don't have the room for a reverse osmosis. Like my, so where I would have to have it is so tiny, I couldn't do it. So I have a couple different ones. I have like HydroVive, I have Pure, I have HydroPure. I have like different you know, pH prescription. So I have different ones because it is what worked for the situation and like the shower head only could do this one. And so it's like, I have my favorites Aqua True is a great one. Yeah. So it's not that because it's 
a fine line. Like if you think of like Brita water filters, like everyone used to like my I grew up like my mom was 100 percent a hippie. And I appreciate <laughs> her so much now realizing I'm like, why do I have to drink out of the Brita water filter? And she's like, because it's the and I'm like, now I'm like, go mom, you yeah. were <laughs> crunchy before anyone else was crunchy. Yes. So, but like things like that, now we know it doesn't really get out all the heavy metals. It doesn't get out PFASs. So, but pure, which is another water filtration system for the counter does. So there are better options a hundred percent and they all are in my guide too. I put the top ones that are my hundred percent favorite that, so sometimes, you know, the water filtration ones, that's always tricky because what I've found is not, if someone lives in an apartment, they have to be careful with what they can use and so on and so forth. So but there's a hundred percent, there's so many out there that are amazing and I love, and they do a great job. And I love that you say that too, because sometimes I find, and I'm sure you see this on social media, someone's like, let's say reverse osmosis. Some influencer or expert is like, ah, oh, the inverse osmosis is the best. Don't get anyone anything else. And you're like, look, it doesn't fit on my counter. Like it doesn't fit in my kitchen space. I have to pivot and look at something else. Or, or somebody's like, well, I live in an apartment. Like that's not going to work. Or my shower in my apartment won't fit the shower head that some expert claims is the absolute only one and everything else is trash. And it's like, no, we, you're right. There's so many options. And I love that you point that out for people. Cause what I don't want is someone to feel like a failure. Like, oh gosh, I can't get the reverse. Like the way my L-shaped kitchen is, I couldn't put a reverse osmosis in it either. I don't have a reverse osmosis myself for a very similar reason, but I don't want someone to feel like a failure and go, well, then I can't do this at all. It's like, all right, we'll just move to the one that works better for your family, your kitchen, your yeah. renting or owning situation. There are options. There are so many more options now than there was before. And yeah, we're, you know, what's shocking is reverse osmosis is still kind of one of those. Mm, yeah, we, that's true. <laughs> it goes back and forth. I hear good things and then I hear not so good things. So I, there's a lot of the times where there's nothing that can ever claim to be the top, the best defeating everything, unless you're going to do and trial it against everything else it's impossible. It's literally impossible. And we all have to start our journey somewhere. Like, especially for someone who watched her son regress and felt like, and tried for years that thought I was doing all the right things. And then looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I completely failed my child. Like I allowed all of this to happen. I, a lot of the conversations I have with moms and it's definitely tough for me because it hits home. Cause I know that feeling is Though they get very emotional and upset because they feel like they failed their child. They failed as a parent. And for me, it's very important to let everyone know we all have to start our journey somewhere. And it's better to start the journey now than never starting it at all. So just taking that one step forward, even changing one thing a week, if you change one thing a week, 365-ish different that you've changed in one year, that's a lot. That's Think of how much your body is going to appreciate that so much more than if you just never did anything at all and you put your hands up and said it's too difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I love that approach. I love that approach. One thing a week, change something you're running out of and 52. 52. I, we knew what you meant. <laughs> <laughs> we knew what you meant. 52. I was thinking days. 52 weeks. So that's 52 different products, but that's a lot of products to change. Mm -hmm. It's kind of one of those things that it's when I look back at it now and I've seen how much I've changed, like you said, you're at this level and someone was like, oh, and it can be expensive to change things. And we know organic or things that claim to be organic is not cheap, but we don't have to take it to that level all the time. And that's what's really important to stress. Just because something says it's organic, something says it's toxin-free, 
I'm sure you've seen Thinks, Think Panties. Now oh, I've just woo. come out with PFASs and I'm going, I have three pairs. <laughs> I don't have any. I'm so glad I read that article. I was like, hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any. What's funny is I bought them because I was like, oh, these are going to be great. And then I never would. So you helped yourself. I'm like, yeah. So, but it's like we, again, so these are the things I'm saying is that we are coming up with these new products that now have they have all these other chemicals in them that have been created to serve a purpose. And we're not even aware. We're just thinking, oh, it's cotton. But it's not. It's not. And for those who don't know, PFAS is those are the forever chemicals. Those are the chemicals that scientists don't know how to break down. Mother Earth is not breaking it down. So that's why they're called forever chemicals, which is unfortunate. And they're found in a lot of things. They're found in a lot of like Gore-Texy things, waterproof things, the Thinks panties she was mentioning, those are the period panties. They're finding them in yoga pants and workout gear, sports bras. I mean, they really are, unfortunately, in a lot of things at various degrees. Yeah, that like anything that's waterproof or boots, shoes, jackets, even kids stuff. I mean... Yeah, your leggings and stuff, like some of your known legging brands and shoe companies and stuff. So it's, if you think about Teflon, I'm sure everyone remembers Teflon, those infomercials of the guys rolling the egg on the pan. Look, it's not sticking. And it was so cool. And then it was like, well, it's not the great. So they're pretty much 99% of everyone in the United States have has PFASs in their system. Some level. Oh, yeah. And there's over 9,000 <laughs> different long and short chain types of bonds on those. So it's the same with like pesticides, like 99% of, I call it my 90-ish percentile rule. It's like pretty much like 90% of people have pesticides, 90% of people have PFASs and phthalates and plastics in their system. Like these are documented things. Like we all pretty much have them, which is now the scare. So now it's like, okay, what do we do? And like you said, starting with my four pillars, starting that detoxification phase and starting to identify what you're being exposed to. If you don't even know what you're being exposed to, how, you know, and you we need to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. And I will say, I mean, I, even like I am not perfect by any stretch. I live in the Pacific Northwest. We get more rain than we get sun. So I have a lot of waterproof stuff. I have a lot of PFAS coated jackets and boots. How it, The other thing, we don't really have a lot of time to get into today, but when it came to the yoga pants, one of the things they say with these yoga pants is we sweat in them, right? Is, and, and our sports bras. So we, we're, we're hot and so we're, our pores open and we sweat. And then that makes us more apt to absorb the PFASs as opposed to your waterproof jacket that you're putting over your hoodie you're less likely to absorb in your jacket. So again, it's the route, heat, what's going on. And your hot shower with your hot water that is now opening up all your pores and you're now absorbing not only what's in the water into your skin and your scalp, but you're also absorbing the whatever chemicals to a degree, what might be in your shampoo, your conditioner, your body wash, which is why when Greer was talking about a, a shower filter, we're trying to do the best we can. And then reading the ingredients of like, if, when you run out of your shampoo, can you switch? When you run out of your body wash or soap, can you switch? When you run out of your conditioner, can you switch? And then it just comes full circle. So Or donate. Or donate. I found when I was cleaning and like starting like my journey, I must have had like 15 Bath and Body Works like soaps, you know, like the pepper. <laughs> yes. And I was like, I'm just donate them. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. 
Well, the last thing I want to finish out on today, of course, is testing, because this is going to be the next big question. We've touched on testing. You obviously work for Vibrant, a testing company. Can you test these things? How do you test these things? Yeah. So Vibrant has a what we call the total tox burden. And now we have a PFAS test. So we have the total. Oh, yeah. We just launched Woo. it. It's super exciting to actually watch it in full motion, too. Or scary. <laughs> so we have the total tox bundle, which is testing for heavy metals, mycotoxins, which is mold and environmental toxins all urine tests. Super simple to collect urine, even for little ones. If you want to test your children, you can collect from a potty. You could put like organic cotton balls in their diaper and squeeze it out. It's totally easy to collect for kids too. So anyone can do it. So we testing, believe it or not, I don't know if everyone really understands NHANES, which is the body government that puts all the research together on looking into longitudinal studies of a certain amount of people and what they're being exposed to and then what potentially could be the causes of an outcome like cancer, et cetera, which is what they did with PFASs specifically too. We actually use a lot of the NHANES reference ranges for a lot of the heavy metals and environmental toxins as well. So we do have standard reference ranges that have been set by NHANES that we use too to identify if somebody meets the threshold or if they're outside of that threshold, which is great. So Super easy. And now we have the PFASs that we just launched too, which is super exciting. So we test for a variety of different PFAS chemicals, including newer chemicals called Gen X, which is part of the PFAS panel as, as well. And these are those PFASs that are the most toxic in our areas or that have been more identified with research to cause specific types of diseases and issues. Wow. Oh my gosh. And so Roughly, or do you actually know the absolute number? How many things are tested in this? Mycotoxins, I believe, is 31. I think environmental toxins is like 39. Heavy metals, I believe, is 30. It's a lot. We're testing for, at the PFASs now, I think it was like 90 something with just the total toxins. So if you add the PFASs, now you're testing for nearly 125, 130 chemicals. And again, these are not all the, again, 700,000 toxins, 80,000 chemicals, but we are testing for the ones that we have the most research on, the ones that have actual connections to diseases and issues. If you think about it, like I said, research with toxicity has only really bloomed and blossomed in the last 10 to 20 years. So we're still kind of ramping up, just looking at how toxins can cause X, Y, and Z in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So for all the practitioners listening who maybe casually talk about toxins in their practice, but don't actually test for it, or maybe haven't gotten that serious or educated around it. And definitely now is the time because the opportunity to test is there. And when you get the result back, whether you are a client or consumer, because you as a consumer, there's an option to order this test on yourself as well, which I'll ask Greer in just a second. But I know it can feel overwhelming when you get this report back and you're like, holy crap, there's so many toxins or this one's really high. It's freaking me out. But as Greer said from the beginning, like knowing this information, you can then I try to identify where does this come from? Where am I getting exposure to that? And we'll go back to the beginning of the podcast. How do I work on my detoxification pathways? How do I work on my the four pillars Greer talked about? And how do I work to reduce whatever that marker is that popped up for me, whether it's 
in the mycotoxin family. So now I'm looking at what's going on with maybe my home mold exposure or whether if it's you still use Teflon pans, just things like this. It is very, I know it sounds scary. I know it sounds overwhelming, but the most important thing is it's very actionable. It's very actionable. And I love that. So can you explain how a consumer, somebody listening, maybe who's healthcare practitioner is more Western and doesn't agree with this. How can somebody take charge of their own health? I would definitely then reach out to find a functional practitioner that you might be in your area. Usually what I say is go find a crunchy mom group and (laughs) everybody who everybody uses. And that's how I get, I work with patients from all over the place. And when I'm asking them to go maybe see a chiropractor, I say, go to your local crunchy mom group ask where everyone takes their kids because moms love to talk and it's a great community of support. So find somebody who's in your area to reach out to and see if they do these types of testing. If they don't, they can always reach out to us and become, if they're practitioners, they can always become practitioners and work with us at any time. They can also consult with us. So the practitioner can consult us. We will help them interpret the labs and give them some help in identifying and what to do. So There's always options, but I usually say go to your local mom's group and find that support system because everyone's going to be there to help you. I love it. I love it. Well, Greer, how do people find you? And then how do people learn more about Vibrant, whether they are a patient, client, practitioner? And for those listening who do use the Rupa Health platform, we do offer Vibrant, of course, on Rupa. But sometimes it's really nice to go to the lab directly just to read all the information watch their videos, get their education as they are truly the experts in their own lab test. So give us all the details. Yeah. So if you want me specifically personally for your kid, you can go to biomedicalhealingforkids.com. That's where I also have the toxin free living guide too on sale now this week that I just launched, which I'm super excited about. And then anyone can go to vibrantamerica.com and they can start going down the research and clicking all the links. They can also set up an appointment with a sales rep if they are a provider and they want to start learning about the testing. All they have to do is sign up. A sales rep will contact them so they can get them set up in the back office, show them how to order all the testing and get them started right away. Amazing. And for those providers who don't know, Vibrant does offer a lot of education as well. I get it. I am signed up to the Vibrant newsletters and they are quite helpful and their webinars and just the information they put out in this area is really wonderful. So thank you for that. Thank you for being on the Root Cause Medicine podcast today. I know this has probably either opened up a lot of eyes or overwhelmed a lot of eyes, but as we have said, very actionable You may have to listen to this podcast a few times. Take notes, reach out to Greer and her website, especially if you have kiddos you are concerned about. Get her guide. And thank you so much for being on. I really appreciate it. I had such a great time. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I have one quick favor to ask before you go. If you love today's conversation, Would you mind leaving us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on right now? My whole goal is education. So positive reviews are actually the number one thing that help new people discover the show. You're amazing. I so appreciate it. And I'll catch you on the next episode.